Leadership is often challenged in times of crisis, and we certainly see this happening all around our world. Leaders in every country are facing huge issues. There are economic, health, environmental, and social problems that don't have easy solutions. And there are different visions of what kind of action is needed. On top of this, it's an election year, and we're watching people fight for the right to be in charge. Now, our circumstances share some similarities with the scene in today's scripture reading where the Israelites had been complaining about their leaders, and most people were happy to blame Moses and Aaron for their problems. There were even some who thought they could do a better job and could lead in a more effective way. Now, today's scripture captures God's response to this. So let's listen now to our scripture text. I will read verses 41 through 50 of chapter 16 in the book of Numbers. Hear these words of Scripture. On the next day, however, the whole congregation of the Israelites rebelled against Moses and against Aaron, saying, You have killed the people of the Lord. And when the congregation had assembled against them, Moses and Aaron turned toward the tent of meeting. The cloud had covered it, and the glory of the Lord appeared. Then Moses and Aaron came to the front of the tent of meeting, and the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Get away from this congregation so that I may consume them in a moment. And they fell on their faces. Moses said to Aaron, Take your censer, put fire on it from the altar, and lay incense on it, and carry it quickly to the congregation and make atonement for them. For wrath has gone out from the Lord, the plague has begun. So Aaron took it as Moses had ordered and ran into the middle of the assembly where the plague had already begun among the people. He put on the incense and made atonement for the people. He stood between the dead and the living, and the plague was stopped. Those who died by the plague were 14,700, besides those who died in the affair of Korah. When the plague was stopped, Aaron returned to Moses at the entrance of the tent of meeting. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. The people of Israel were involved in yet another rebellion against God, and the results were disastrous. People died. Now, to fully understand what happened, we have to go back to the beginning of chapter 16, where we meet a man named Korah, who instigated this rebellion. And the rebellion involved conflict, heated arguments, a contentious spirit, and opposing visions of the future. And honestly, this sounds like a description of the political candidates who are vying for our votes this fall. Now, there are similarities because Korah and his friends wanted to lead the people of Israel. And this whole story invites us to think carefully about the kind of leadership God wanted from his people. The Renaissance artist Sandro Botticelli offered a commentary on this biblical story in a painting of his found in the Sistine Chapel. The Sistine Chapel, of course, is best known for Michelangelo's ceiling painting, but Botticelli's art hangs on one of the walls of this chapel. And keep in mind that this is where the College of Cardinals meets whenever they elect a new pope. Well, in this painting, Aaron is depicted 
as wearing the crown of the Pope, while Korah and all the other rebels are falling into the earth. And in the background is the Arch of Constantine, who gave the Pope power over the Roman world. Now, the meaning conveyed in this art is that the Pope is the successor to Aaron, and those who would challenge his authority should reconsider. This painting also offers a warning to those who want to be the Pope, that they should carefully review their own motives and calling. Now, I think the same applies to anyone who seeks to lead the church, whether it's a pastor, a deacon, or any other position of leadership. This is certainly relevant to us as a church, since we're in the process of, of selecting new deacons to serve next year. We need the right people who love the church and sense a calling to lead. This requires discernment and self-awareness, which was lacking among many of the leaders described in Numbers chapter 16. Now, it is helpful for us to place this scripture in its full context. Chapters 11 through 21 describe seven different rebellions the people of Israel committed against God. The rebellion found in chapter 16 started with Korah. He was a Levite, but he didn't share in the same duties as Aaron and his descendants. Korah and those in his company were responsible for carrying the holy items of Israel whenever they moved camp. And their job included removing the curtain from the tabernacle and covering up the holy things with blue and purple cloths. Aaron and his people had a different set of responsibilities. They were the priest, and they could draw near the tabernacle and offer incense. Aaron also managed and supervised Korah and his company. He gave them their orders, and every time Israel moved, Korah was reminded that he had to follow Aaron, not the other way around, and he resented that. Why should Aaron be exalted over everyone else? Korah wanted what Aaron had. He was envious of the privileges Aaron enjoyed, and he thought he deserved the same. Korah was not the only one who was envious and resentful of Aaron. The brothers Dathan and Abiram were too, and they had a history that explained why they were so resentful. These brothers were descendants of Reuben, the firstborn son of Israel. But because of Reuben's sin, the privileges associated with the firstborn were reassigned to Levi, privileges that are now enjoyed by Aaron. So Dathan and Abiram were jealous. They wanted what they saw in Aaron. They wanted to be priests and to offer incense at the tabernacle. They also thought Moses and Aaron had done a rather lousy job leading the people of Israel. From their perspective, Moses and Aaron had led them from a good situation into a bad one. They even accused them of wanting to kill their people. Dathan and Abiram thought they could do a better job, and they thought they could actually lead the people toward a land that flows with milk and honey. But they mistake Egypt for the promised land, and they fundamentally misunderstand the ways of God. This happened 
because they were blinded by their desire for power and prestige. Korah, Dathan, and Abiram were three of the main leaders in this rebellion, but they didn't act alone. They were actually well organized. They formed a group of 250 men who were appointed by members of the council. This wasn't a bunch of hooligans. They were well-respected leaders in the community, and they were raising some serious questions about leadership. You know, why did Moses and Aaron assume that they were the only leaders? Others can be leaders as well, right? And why should some be given greater status and access to God? They even backed up these questions with theology. In verse 3, they say, All the congregation are holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. So why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? These are all legitimate questions, but why were they asking them? We need to understand what motivated Korah and his people. And what we uncover is a misunderstanding of the priesthood. Korah and his friends thought of the priesthood in terms of social power and prestige. To them, it was all about the benefits and privileges rather than service. And since they weren't getting what they wanted, they grumbled. And in response to their complaints, Moses proposed a test where anyone who wanted to lead Israel could fill their censers and perform priestly duties at the tabernacle to see which leaders God would accept. Moses said in verses 6 and 7, Do this, take censers, and tomorrow put fire in them, and lay incense on them before the Lord. And the man whom the Lord chooses shall be the Holy One. A censer is a fancy container used for burning incense in worship, and it represented the holy calling of a priest. Korah and his friends wanted to use a censer in order to improve their status and privileges, which, as I've said, is a misunderstanding of the priesthood. Instead of focusing on service and working for the good of others, Korah and his company saw the priesthood as something that would help them climb the social and economic ladder. Moses confronted them on this, hoping that they might recognize the impure nature of their motives. He said in verse 9, Is it too little for you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to allow you to approach him in order to perform the duties of the Lord's tabernacle and to stand before the congregation and serve them? That conversation, unfortunately, didn't go very far because they weren't content. They wanted bigger and better leadership positions. And so the next day, Korah and his associates gathered outside the tabernacle ready for the test that Moses had proposed. They were eager to prove that they should be priests, but they didn't get the results they were hoping for. Actually, it was far worse than anything they had imagined. The earth opened up and swallowed those rebellious leaders and their households. And then the other 250 leaders were consumed by a fire. One of the things that's sad about this story is Korah and his friends 
thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they could provide good leadership to their people, but they didn't understand what was really motivating them. It is frightening to see how challenging it is for leaders to understand their deepest intentions, but they're not alone. In fact, many people don't take the time to look within and reflect on what's motivating them. It takes time and effort to understand what's driving us. This is tough work because some of our deepest motives are often disguised so well that we don't recognize the real temptation lying in our hearts. But that's what happened to Korah and his friends. Their desire to be priests was motivated by a desire for power and prestige, and yet they didn't realize it. Jesus experienced a similar temptation at the beginning of his ministry. When he was in the wilderness, the devil took him to the top of the temple and said, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. Jesus was tempted to use his status before God to serve his own ends. But he resisted that temptation and instead he followed the difficult path to the cross. He lived a life of service, a life of service to God and a life of service to others. Not understanding our motives can certainly be disastrous, especially if we're in a position of leadership. Korah discovered this truth and he lost his life because of his rebellion against God. But the Lord used this as a teaching opportunity for the Israelites. And after those religious leaders had been consumed in a fire, God said, and this is found in verses 37 through 40, tell Eleazar, son of Aaron, the priest, to take the censers out of the blaze, make them into hammered plates as a covering for the altar. Thus they shall be a sign, a reminder to the Israelites that no outsider who is not of the descendants of Aaron shall approach to offer incense before the Lord so as not to become like Korah and his company. Unfortunately, that lesson didn't sink in with the Israelites. Rather than seeing Moses and Aaron as set apart for special leadership, the people turned against them. And this is where the scripture passage that I read earlier begins. The people fussed and they complained. They blamed Moses and Aaron for the deaths of their friends and family. They said, you have killed the people of the Lord. And at this point, all of Israel had joined in the rebellion. They were rebelling against God's elected leaders. Now the Lord was ready to wipe them all out. Get away from this congregation so that I may consume them in a moment, said the Lord. A plague broke out. People started dying. But instead of running to the hills for cover, Aaron took action. He grabbed his censer and offered incense to atone for his people. This was an incredible act of courage and compassion. And while many people had died, the scripture says Aaron stood between the dead and the living. He showed great love for those whom he served. 
and his actions show us the kind of service God desires from not only his priest, but from all his people. Aaron's actions also foreshadow those of Jesus Christ, who was tempted in every way but did not sin. Jesus was despised and rejected by humanity, and yet he drew near to us as our high priest. Hebrews chapter 7 says, It was fitting that we should have such a high priest, holy, blameless, undefiled, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. Unlike other high priests, he has no need to offer sacrifices day after day, first for his own sins and then for those of the people. This he did once for all when he offered himself. Christ stands between the living and the dead, offering to lead us down the path of life. And he shows us the kind of leadership God expects from his people. God's people are called to be a priestly people. Each believer serves in a priestly way. And like Aaron, the leadership we provide should be life-giving. We should live our lives in such a way that guides others down the right path, the path that leads to life. And whatever authority we have, we should use it for the well-being of others. This responsibility lies with each of us because we are a royal priesthood, as 1 Peter says. And we give thanks today for Jesus Christ, our high priest, who stands between the living and the dead and invites us to share this good news with our world. Would you pray with me? Oh God, we thank you for Jesus Christ, who stands between the living and the dead and who leads us toward an abundant life with you. Through his example, we see the kind of leadership you expect from each of us. We pray for guidance and wisdom so that we might live in ways that bring life to others. May we use our influence to make a positive difference for the people in our lives. We pray this in the holy name of Jesus. Amen.